Talks' seventh episode. I'm really excited about today's show because it is a little futuristic in terms of delivery of legal services. We're going to be discussing alternate legal service providers or ALSPs as they're more commonly known. Now, ALSPs are not new in the market. We had LPOs or legal process outsourcing units a long time ago. However, today, ALSPs are innovating at a much quicker pace as they adopt technology at their forefront of their practice. Today, we have Nicole Giantonio, Chief Marketing Officer at Elevate, a US-based ALSP with offices all over the world. Hi, Nicole. Great to have you join us today. Hi, it's great to be here. I'm very excited about the program. And of course, I love podcasting. So this is a, quite a pleasure for me. We know that, and I'm going to get give the audience a little bit more background where we talk about your background in podcasting as well. So just to give everyone a little bit more context, Nicole is someone with a ton of experience in marketing and the business of law. She produced her own award-winning podcast for four years, the Left Foot Legal Podcast, which focused on the business of law. She now produces the Elevate Together podcast, where the Elevate experts interview industry leaders on their views and insights. They talk to the customers of Elevate and even host a debate between Elevate and industry participants. Nicole leads both the marketing and the sales operation functions as a member of the Elevate executive leadership team. We're very happy to have you with us today. Welcome. Great. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Nicole, before we jump into more detailed questions, I wanted to first lay the broad foundation of our discussion and address what exactly an ALSP is and what does it do. You know, I was talking to someone about this and the simplest ex explanation they mentioned was it's like a, like a law firm provides legal services and sometimes uses technology to do so. An ALSP is a tech firm that uses technology to provide legal services. Would you agree with that? Or how would you compare an ALSP to yeah. a traditional law firm or an LPO or even a legal team in a uh, company? Great. It's a good question. It's a great way to start. So generally, that explanation applies, although ALSPs focus on more than technology. Uh, typically, when an ALSP, the, think about that definition, right? The first word is alternative. And what's seen as alternative to the other models you mentioned is the fact that at an ALSP, they're looking for the right place, right location, the right level of staff, and then the right technology. So all three apply. But I think the real baseline difference between those models is we have the business of law and the practice of law. And ALSPs primarily are focused on the business of law, all of the things that need to be done without advice, without giving advice. And it's the law firms that typically provide the advice. We're going to talk about the fact that Elevate has now has an ABS, so they are able to practice law here in the States. But at this point, I would say that is the biggest difference between the models you mentioned, the law firm model, or even a uh, alternative model that is owned by a law firm is that they are able to practice where, at AL, where a normal ALSP is really administering the uh, business of law. So, so would you say the business of law is more like um, in an e-discovery project, for instance, not really reviewing mm -hmm. it and providing the analysis, but reviewing and sorting through all of that data and giving it to a lawyer in a digestible format. So that's sort of the business of law yeah. and there the legal service is, is actually reviewing that, uh, uh, reviewing that digestible data yeah. and then providing the advice on whether that's relevant for an investigation or not. Well, I think that that could be an example. I will tell you, and it's we do have lawyers providing a lot of the work that we're doing at Elevate. They're not providing advice. And in some cases, they're not barred in the certain 
in the locations in which we're doing the work because they're not giving advice. It's not required that they are, but they are lawyers. I mean, they, they have studied, they may have passed the bar in another jurisdiction, but that is the difference between uh, you know, what we're saying and what a law firm is providing is, you know, is the person uh, at that point giving advice? That, that's really where we make the difference or, make, or cut, the, cut the difference. So I'm going to touch upon one of the points that you mentioned, which is basically it's the right space, right location and right technology. And there are several mm-hmm. ALSPs that have offices all over the world. And a large part of the business right. model includes offshoring some of the operations to countries where manpower is more economical. And this makes total sense. But I was wondering if you could tell us how a company manages quality control when doing this, because I'm sure clients ask this question and maybe using the right technology helps in maintaining that quality. But I would love to hear your thoughts. So location is a factor. And that is one of the things that, um, you know, ALSPs have really taken advantage of. There is, I would suggest that outside of time zones, there is no difference it makes it has no bearing on our services. We at Elevate we have playbooks that we follow. We adhere to process. We've developed we've even developed mechanisms so that people can transfer work from one location to the other as they're leaving. So I would say as an organization, we are a virtual company, and the only the only difference about where a person is sitting is the work hours that they have. Other than that, the work is done the exact same way and every single location, the work is transferred to the next team to work on. There is really no difference across And when you say work hours difference, you're only talking about the work hours because of the time zone difference. Correct. And so, but we we have a follow the sun model in many cases. So Discovery Works is a great example. If we have a project and there is a timeline that we need to meet, which of course in discovery there typically is, that work, you know, it starts in a particular office, then it's moved to the next office when their workday is done and it's moved to the next. There is overlap so that there is handoff. But again, they're following playbooks. They're following very specific procedures to make sure that there's consistency across those time zones. So I would say as, as someone who's worked in this type of environment, most of my career, but definitely in the four years that I've been with Elevate, four and a half years that I've been with Elevate, it's amazing to watch how we don't skip a beat between one location to the next. The, the people that are doing discovery in India are doing it like the people doing discovery outside of London and are doing it exactly how the team is doing it in Phoenix. It's the exact same process. doesn't matter what location they're in. So I guess this is, again, coming back to the business of law. It's getting down the process and project managing all of that across all locations is where the crux of it lies, right? Absolutely. And that is one of, you know, that is one of the things. It's not the most exciting part of what we do, but it is a very significant part when people, customers come and do proof of concept with us, what they're testing is those procedures. They're testing those processes. They're testing those playbooks to make sure that there's consistency across. And we continually continually adjust them to make sure that they're uh, even stronger for the next round of work that we're doing. Yeah, makes sense. So what are the factors that a client, and you know, sometimes the client is a law firm yeah. and sometimes it could be a corporate legal department, but what are the factors that a client needs to bear in mind when choosing which ALSP provider uh, to use for its requirements? Yeah, I would say there's there's two or three things that are critical. The first is you have to make sure that everyone is setting the proper expectations, right? That the customer is conveying what they're looking to achieve, that 
as the supplier, we're hearing that and we're confirming the expectations that the customer has. That's very critical. It's also important that the customer give us honest information about their data, where their data is, how much data they have, the availability of their staff to assist us in this process. Because when we look at a project, usually what happens is we'll start the implementation. We do this every day. This is what we do. And the, the organization, the customer comes back and doesn't have the staff available or can't get access to the data or something comes up, which happens. So that really can sh throw off our deadlines. So we try to be as upfront as, you know, as clearly upfront about what we need from the customer when we start the implementation. So we do ask that the customer do the same. And of course, you know, the first thing I mentioned, setting ex expectation setting is a clear part of it. It's why our salespeople, you know, spend a lot of time both speaking with customers and then documenting what is going on, you know, at that customer site so that they know exactly what to expect when we start the implementation. I actually really like what you mentioned, Nicole, uh, when you brought out this expectation management and the dependencies in the timelines. You're not these timelines aren't only yeah. yours. It's dependent on information from the client. And it's very important because the client is always quick to say, when can you complete this by? And you can say a month, but it exactly. depends on how long they can turn around your requests and provide the responses to your requests. Yes, it's it's one of those things. And of course, we work, we're constantly communicating. I mean, communication is such a critical factor in having any of these um, engagements go well. So we're constantly communicating in a formal way, and, but in a way that makes sure that there is documentation because we want both sides to understand what's expected. So and that those, you know, we can get the communication right and, you know, get expectation setting right. Typically, it goes quite well. There's business people on both sides. So we always, you know, take comfort in the fact that we're all in this to, to get a good yeah. result. So how do you get a law firm to feel comfortable outsourcing some of their work, especially when it is for an end client and they need to ensure maintenance of confidentiality obligations? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we at Elevate, we are almost, our revenue is almost evenly split between law firms and law departments. And we have major law firms that are our customers. We have a lot of different law firms, but we have ones that you would recognize, Reed Smith, Hogan Levels, Perkins Cooey's. We also have major in-house legal departments, uh, Intel, Microsoft. They have trusted us with their work. NetApp is large, a large customer for us. And we've had major financial institutions, HSBC is one, that have worked with us and continue to work with us to improve their, the efficiency of their legal department. The way we get them to trust us, which is kind of interesting, each of those organizations has their own standards for evaluating um, a partner, a supplier. And typically, you know, there may be a proof of concept that we'll work with them on. But in some cases, they just start their arrangement. And then, of course, we hope the arrangement expands. And that happens a lot. Um, I will tell you that uh, our team members follow those playbooks, whether they're a lawyer or a legal professional with time. So I think that is that is definitely the way that we get them to trust us is we prove to them that we're following the process, that we're adhering to the agreed upon process, and frankly, the professionalism of our staff, the professionalism of our clients lets us adjust as we need to. And we haven't found it to be a problem. I can talk about some examples. Um, so, so I have two examples that I think are very helpful in showing how customers, you know, start that path. We had one customer here in the United States. It's a very prominent uh, uh, technology company. 
We were hired by them to manage all of their back office, do full contract management for them. They were very specific about the qualifications of the people working on their account. Uh, they got to interview those people. They reviewed their backgrounds. You know, this was a company that wanted to make sure this was done right. Right? They were. It was a major outsourcing deal. It was a major function. All of their contracts. And they were so they obviously looking at the... this long term, so they wanted to get it right from the beginning. Very much. Get it right from the beginning, and they wanted to make sure that they didn't have questions from either their um, investors, their their executive team. We set up the whole program. It was running well. They did require that they were lawyers here in the state, not barred in that particular jurisdiction, but people that were lawyers and um, that had passed a bar somewhere. And we went ahead and had that agreement running for several years. The challenge is most lawyers, trained people in the United States or elsewhere, once they're in their job for a few years, they want to advance. And there were only so many jobs. It was a large, uh, large service center that we were basically um, kicking up for them, a virtual service center. So over time, people were leaving and there was a lot of transition and it was difficult to fill those roles. We worked with them to discuss having an offshore group that would supplement the team that we had here in the States. We used the same criteria. They needed to be lawyers. They needed to pass the interview that the client was doing. They needed to work on their equipment, same, same exact same parameters of the people in the States. Over time, we were able to uh, backfill people that were leaving with team members that were not onshore here in the States. And where we were doing that, there was actually a stronger tenure. It was a very good company. People wanted to work for that company. They wanted to have that company on their resume as wow. someone they had worked for. And so we were finding that we were getting much more consistent talent. And the customer had the benefit of getting that talent at a greatly reduced price because it was in a very different market. And you know, that is part of our business is that different markets require different um, you know, fees for paying or you know, yeah. salaries. So that does allow us to offer that flexibility back to our customers. So that is one example. And I'll, I'll hold my other example for another question if you'd like. <laughs> so. Got it. So Nicole, I understand that in January of this year, the Arizona Supreme Court granted Elevate an alternative business structure or an ABS license. What exactly does that mean? What more can Elevate do now that it has this license in terms of additional service offerings? And do you think all ALSPs would be required to get a similar license? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And we're, we're very excited about getting our ABS in Arizona. Uh, getting our ABS was definitely not a requirement to do business. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we have the business of law and the practice of law. The ABS in Arizona did allow us to service our customers who did at points ask us to provide some advice or to do some oversight of our lawyers. So the ABS in Arizona gives us, uh, allows us to do that uh, officially, allows us to do that effectively. And we've been affiliated with Elevate Next, which is a law firm in Illinois that is a, uh, owned by a lawyer is an affiliate of ours. So we've been working with them on advice as customers needed it. But having an ABS is not a requirement to be an ALSP, but it is a requirement, again, when customers ask us to take on that next step of providing advice. So this is, it has been fantastic for us. We're able to offer more to our customers and that's really you know a, a big plus for us. Having it prior to the ABS being allowed in Arizona, 
again, we could do this work through our affiliate or do it in the UK, but we couldn't embed it in the work that we were delivering for customers. So this this is a big plus for us, but again, definitely not a requirement of an ALS. It's like a great to have uh, bonus point that like a feather in the cap that Elevate has got, but it's not really yes. essential to provide ALS. Correct. Although we do see some of our competitors getting it now because it's it's now available <laughs> for others. So okay. yeah, I can totally see that. So Nicole, my last question is a little bit more existential to the LSPs. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure prospective clients may have some concerns with engaging an ALSP. And you know, we talked earlier about quality control. But that aside, how do you address other concerns like accuracy with the use of technology versus human review or concerns with sending mm -hmm. work offshore? I know we talked a little bit about the processes and having the same processes yeah. in place uh, in every jurisdiction. Um, or, or even project management across jurisdictions uh, or between two different entities. So you have got your end client, the U.S. law firm, and then the ALSP all working on the same project. So how do you address sort of these concerns? Yes, this is, this is a typical concern of any large initiative, right? So you've got to have strong project management. You've got to coordinate all the different um, entities that are involved, right? So whether it's multiple law firms or uh, an organization with multiple departments, you are, there is a lot of coordination. I think, you know, the baseline for us is, you know, we do not require our customers use a particular location. Um, they are, are, we work with our customers, we determine their comfort level. If they want to stay onshore in their jurisdiction, if we have team members there, we'll go ahead and deliver the services there. We also have our Elevate Flex business, which allows us to add people when we need them to service customers at a particular location. So it's never required that they work with a particular facility for us. But, you know, in cases, you know, that is a benefit and they are asking to work, look at an alternative model. Um, so we do offer, again, the flexibility to go to an offshore facility or have a follow the sun model if that's appropriate for that assignment. I guess the baseline, you know, as we look at this is we want our customers to see us as uh, you know, strong in our space, which we are, you know, incorporating technology efficiency into the business of law. We're very strong in that. We also, you know, we have the playbooks. We are proven in our model. We have very strong project management. That's something we offer to our customers. And really what makes our, what makes our customers comfortable with this model is they start small with us. They do a project. It goes well. They take on a different project. And, it, and if it's a significant project, they might want to do a proof of concept with us. But we're able to prove to them through our strong customer service, through our communication, through our good work, that this model, you know, they can be comfortable with it. Uh, and we have found, you know, more and more law firms are either creating this model or trying to, right? We have at Elevate, we have, you know, we deliver services. We also have a robust consulting arm where we provide consulting services to our customers. And I think some great examples and the examples I'm giving you are public, you know, are public examples. You know, Reed Smith, we work with them very closely and we've done strategy with them and they're very excited about the work that we've been able to work with them on so that they can become more efficient in their own operation. We've provided technology to law firms like Clifford Chance where they've come to us to, to purchase technology from us that's very specific that they can use to help make their legal operations function more efficient. So we are, again, partnering with as many law firms as we are in-house 
uh, legal departments and providing that same thing. I mean, there are some very strong in-house legal departments who know that this is the right way to go forward. It's the way that they can look, you know, respond to their business partners um, in a very fast and and also economic way. Um, let me, and if, if it's okay, why don't I give that last example that um, we referenced? Because I think yes, it really says ahead. a lot about comfort level. Yes, please go ahead. I think it would be useful for the audience. It's excellent. So we have a customer, uh, not, in, not in the US or UK, in, in Australia actually, and they worked with us in a business service. So we were providing business services for them um, primarily out of India. I don't believe we were servicing them out of the Philippines as well, but from India, probably for more than three years. They were so pleased with how it went that they actually contacted us to hire our leader, move our leader from for this department from India to Australia. And so that they could hire that person and actually work with them more closely so that they could expand the work that they did offshore with us by having that person as a strategic part of their team. So that was a clear indication that they had become comfortable with the model over time. And I would say that, you know, that has been the best part of you know, my experience, having been an outsourcing executive in BPO, ITO, HRO, is to watch that change. And that change is happening now in legal, is that people are becoming much more comfortable with saying, you know what, we can outsource that. It is not critical. It is not advice. It is not you know, it might be critical to our business to operate, but it's not, you know, something where having oversight onshore by a barred attorney is necessary at that point. So it, it's a real change in our industry. And I have to say it's one that is providing a lot of opportunity for people who aren't lawyers or didn't, you know, were lawyers, practicing lawyers, but wanted to do something that was more technology um, enabled. There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of different jobs for what we call T-shaped lawyers. They're lawyers that have different skills. They have stronger, you know, they've taken technology classes. They have learned about artificial intelligence. They have learned about project management. They have communication um, skills, but they're, you know, and they are still maybe lawyers, right? That they went to law yeah. school. Maybe they worked at a law firm. Maybe they worked at a law department, but they want to apply other skills and um, they want to do something different. And there's a lot of these roles out here. So it's very exciting to see the change that has happened just in the last, I've been in this space for about eight years and that those eight years have been so much has happened in those eight and definitely in the last four. And from whatever I can tell, this is only going to, the more work that is going to come to ALSPs is only going to increase and grow because everyone wants to have lean teams. They want to, their lawyers to be working Excellent. on the, um, the you know, the lawyering or the, not the, the, the legal advice part of it, not the business of law. And they want to sort of outsource that part. So I can only imagine that this, this is only going to grow in leaps and bounds. Uh, yes, absolutely. And we're working with, um, we're, Elevate is constantly out in the market looking, talking to investors. And there's a lot of excitement about this space because it's definitely, we have just just started. It is going to be that much. Um, it is going to continue to grow and grow at a very rapid pace. It's time. And again, all the questions you asked, people are lawyer, legal department, heads of legal departments, heads of law firms, law firm partners. We're all getting more comfortable with it. Um, just like we got more comfortable with email, just got we, we got more comfortable yeah. with um, you know in electronic signatures. You know this is this is part of the future of law. Got it. 
that sort of concludes our episode uh, today nicole thank you so much for your time i think we've learned a lot about alsps the business of law and um, you know how it's evolved over time and how technology today is at the forefront thank you so much thank you it was a pleasure <laughs>